Hello and welcome to the pre-Christmas Sound on Sound podcast, which runs alongside the January 2012 issue of the magazine. I'm Editor-in-Chief Paul White, and here with me is, well, absolutely nobody. He was on holiday this week, but I did manage to get a few words from some of the SOS editorial staff before the effects of the office party took hold. We'll hear from them a little later. I've just finished signing another batch of my latest book, The Producer's Manual, and you can buy these via the Sound on Sound online shop. However, if you'd like one of the increasingly rare unsigned copies, you can buy a copy from Amazon or direct from Sample Magic. Over the past few weeks, I've been reviewing more mics, speakers and interesting pieces of software, including Isotope's rather impressive Ozone 5 mastering plugin suite. I also had a chance to try out the newly launched Event BAS 2020 Mark III speakers, which turn in a great performance within their price range. Also, I finally got around to updating my Studio Mac Pro to Snow Leopard. Don't even ask me about Lion until at least 2013. The new operating system loaded quickly and with no fuss, but Logic refused to save, to bounce files, save as or even quit. Reinstalling it made no difference, but a quick search around the various forums revealed that I wasn't the only one with that problem. The solution, should you ever need it, is to delve into the system library, open the folder entitled Private Networks, and then locate a file called ProKit Framework. Evict this to the desktop or to the bin, download ProKit 7 from the Apple website, launch it, restart and you should be back in business. I was and I'm very grateful to whoever figured this out first. Mass of good stuff in the January 2012 issue of Sound on Sound, including a detailed review of the SE Egg speakers. We also dive in deep with the Teenage Engineering OP1 synth, while Hugh gets intimate with AEA's KU4 ribbon microphone. There are far too many reviews to list this month, but I can tell you that amongst them are the PreSonus Studio Live Digital Mixer, the JV Vintage 11 microphone, the seriously impressive BetterMaker EQ230P equaliser, and the Ampex tape emulation plugin for the UAD2 card. Our features include a look at the various ways of dealing with unwanted noise, and of course there's more informative comment as Mike Senior reviews and dissects more commercial recordings. There's a January issue preview video that you can find on our Facebook, Twitter and Google Plus pages. This is made by our video media editor, Jules. It highlights some of the key products from the issue and we're hoping to make this a regular feature, so keep a look out in the future. Jenny has also asked me to point out that we've changed over to a new email system here at Sound on Sound and that you should look out for an email from us asking you to change your preferences. Some people have seen phishing alerts from their email provider, but these are legit Sound on Sound mail-outs, so contact us if you've got any problems on this score. Now it's time to ask some of the guys what they're planning for the Christmas break. Yeah, so here we are um, talking to Hugh Rob Johns, my partner in crime on the podcast, of course, to see what he's going to be doing over Christmas. Musically. Oh, musically. Yeah, oh, well, musically. We don't want to know about the food. I was... I was uh... Just saying that uh, I discovered the uh, musical works of Bert Camford, which was recorded in 1962, 63, that kind of era. And I was just bowled over by the, uh, the very dunky kind of bass sound to get in that, and I want to try and learn how to do dunky bass. Because, of course, you are learning bass as well as your... I'm not sure about learning. I'm, I'm massacring it, really. But yeah, Doing battle with... Doing battle with a bass. Yeah. Uh, but I've just discovered that my bass is not the appropriate bass. It needs to be a short-scale bass, I'm told. Yes, with a bit of foam rubber stuck under it. With a bit of foam it. to make it go dunk. So anything else um, studio-wise? Any software updating? No, not studio-wise. Playing with plugins? I do have a plan to completely reorganise my living room 
I've got the permission from her indoors to turn it all around, which means I can put the speakers at the other end of the room, and that might be better. I've been wanting to do that for about 10 years now. So that's going to be my Christmas reorganisation. So for the benefit of the viewers at home, you've got a big um, surround system in there. It's quite massive, PMC speakers. It is, yes, and they are quite massive. Um, but yeah, we're going to reorganise it, which could be quite entertaining. So have you got any tips on how to get people's wives to accept speakers like that in the lounge? No, and you can't have mine because she's too too flexible. You can't have that. Okay. I'm not sure you can put that in the piece, can you? <laughs> I might get the wrong idea. <laughs> So we're in the other corner of the office with Matt Hout and he's going to tell us all about his endeavours with a soldering iron over Christmas. Hello there and Merry Christmas everybody. Um, yeah, I'll be taking a bit of a break from typing and reviewing hopefully and uh, getting the soldering iron out. I'll be making up my second um, GSSL compressor which is uh, you kind of buy the PCBs and then do the soldering of all the parts um, and you end up with a an almost SSL-alike, um, so I'm planning to do three or four of these eventually and use them on various buses on my mixer. Um, I'd urge anyone to give soldering a try because once you get your head around it you can save yourself a hell of a lot of money. Thanks Matt, that's what I like to hear, someone prepared to pick up a soldering iron. So we're here with Jules is going to tell us what he's going to be doing over Christmas because no one stops work here. <laughs> that's right, I've got... Um, a couple of things to do actually, I'm going to be producing some demos for a brand new band project of mine, so it's going to be the first time I'm away from a solo recording for a few months now, which will be interesting to get back in drum mixing, which is probably the hardest part of the lot, and I'm also editing through a feature film script, so that's going to take a lot of time too, so quite a busy, busy one for me. Yeah, so plenty to do between the mince pies then. Exactly, yeah. Merry Christmas from me, Chris Corth, your news editor. Um, this Christmas I will mostly be gigging with my band around Cambridge. I think we've got uh, quite a big gig early in the new year as well at the junction there, if you happen to be down that way. Um, I'll also be practising my double bass as soon as the blisters from my last gig wear down and uh, generally having a bit of a tinker in the studio. Um, Merry Christmas everyone and a Happy New Year. Thanks Chris and me. Well, I'll be playing a few gigs with my band too, as well as doing a bit of tidying and pruning around the studio. Well, we can't really do a tech talk without Hugh, so I'll have to have a go at a tech monologue instead. Prior to the SOS Christmas bash, we were in Dave Lockwood's office and we were all talking about the various ways to make bass guitars and double bass come through in a mix. It's not as easy as it sounds... And I usually start by taking out the really low subsonic stuff by setting an 18 dB proactive filter to around 30 or 40 hertz. One way you might find useful is to temporarily insert another low-cut filter set to between 80 and 100 hertz in your main mix bus so that what you hear has the bandwidth of a typical small radio or compact home studio system. That way you can concentrate on what the bass is doing in the lower mid-range. Often, boosting the bass in the 200 to 280 Hz region will bring out those radio-friendly frequencies, but you may also have to add some boost up in the 2 to 4K region to help keep some definition to the string attack. Setting your compressor to allow some attack to sneak through also helps define the notes. Around 20 milliseconds of attack is a good starting point, and you'll find some other bass-enhancing tricks in the Mix Rescue article that I did for the January issue, where I was handed a very complex mix project by a production company from Pittsburgh in the US. We've also got a couple of questions via our social networking sites. Scott Warnick asks via Facebook, what are the best monitors for under £200? Also, what's the best plugin for creativity? 
Well, there aren't many great monitors for under £200, but I've always been quite impressed by the ESI Near Zero 5 Experience Studio Reference Models, and also by the smaller Fostex PM Series loudspeakers. Both will work fine in the smaller studio, but they won't have the bass extension, they won't have the volume of a big full-scale speaker. Still, if you use them with care, you can get some great mixes. As to recommending a plug-in for creativity, well, if such a thing existed, I'd buy one for myself. The nearest I can suggest is the Spectrasonic's Omnisphere instrument, as that can take you off in lots of new creative directions just because of the range of inspirational sounds in there. Nick Baker asks via Facebook, I've got a nasty bit of hum and ground noise through my monitors. It only happens when they're plugged into my Project Mix I.O. and it even picks up movements of my mouse and amplifies the noise. I'm looking at boxes with ground lift switches, but none actually seem to be just for this problem. And I was wondering if they can really solve the issue anyway. Well, Nick, this certainly sounds like a ground loop problem. You're getting both hum plus interference from the Firewire bus, and I've come across this before. Sometimes a ground lift box, like the inexpensive ART Cleanbox 2, hooked up before your monitors will do the trick, but in this case, a loop between the interface and the computer sounds more likely. The problems could of course also be caused by grounded pieces of equipment being plugged into your interface, so before getting to work on this, unplug everything else apart from the monitors and see if the noise is still there. Unfortunately, in extreme cases, the only solution has been to change to a different interface, because the issue has been caused by the internal grounding of the interface itself. Also, make sure that your entire recording system is plugged into the same power point via distribution boards and not fed from sockets all around the room, because that can also cause ground loop problems. Well, I can smell burning turkey and scorched Christmas pudding, so it's goodbye from me, and it's silence from Hugh. We hope you all had a great Christmas, and we'll see you in the new year. (laughs) 